Welcome to the Deeper Dive podcast. Each week we take a deeper look at the text we covered in worship on Sunday, and we do that by discussing things like historical settings, literary context, the way others before us have read the text, and our own reflective approach to reading that same text. This podcast is a part of Calvary's Daily Connection, a place where Calvary shares something new each day to help you grow in faith. So we hope you check that out through Calvary's app or by going to connectwithcalvary.org slash dailyconnection. Well, today on the podcast, we're following up on uh, Acts 1, um, 1 through 11, uh, which is uh, Jesus telling the, the disciples to uh, uh, wait and then go. That's and right. so we're going to uh, talk a little bit about... Uh, all the implications of that um, today. So let's jump right into it. All right. So um, when I think about that passage, um, I have to keep going back and say, where are we today versus where they were then? And um, for them to be, um, I mean, I, I would love to just uh, be a be someone that was just listening in that day as they were to wait in Jerusalem until the uh, Holy Spirit came upon them and then it, it, the image I have is of starting blocks <laughs> and wait, 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 now go. Um, and, uh, and, and then today, and they did. Um, they went and preached the gospel and, and uh, many, 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 many people came to Christ. Um, and then I, I look at today and are we as ready to be sent as we were um, in the first century? And so I kind of look at the differences in, in what's happened. We um, had a uh, workshop several years ago with um, – I uh, just lost his name. Doug Anderson. Thank you. Um, from Indiana, right? <clears throat> yeah. He was um, uh, superintendent from Indiana, and then he was uh, – uh, worked with the Reuben Job Foundation from, I think it was North Dakota. Okay. Um, so he had some great ways of kind of uh, tying that all together. And um, as he looks at, at where we are now versus where we were before, he talks about the uh, preference-driven church versus the purpose-driven church. And through the years, I think that we have gotten more and more into preference-driven rather than purpose-driven. And a preference-driven church, I have to look at my notes here, um, is is all about how we kind of get what we want. And in the very, very um, uh, worst cases, and, and I don't see that here at Calvary, it's people climbing up for power. Now, isn't that kind of sad when you see that in the church? But, you know, really, that is just, that's just humanity. And um, um, this, this is, this is what I want, and so this is how I'm going to get it. Um, part of that is is um, the way we shop for churches. Um, we don't shop necessarily for how we can give. We shop for what churches has has the uh, variety of ministries that we want to, to to participate in. What churches have the theology and, and that that aligns with us. So all of that isn't wrong at all. I mean, how else are you going to do it? But I think. Um, um, in some of the preference-driven, we've lost some of the purpose-driven. And uh, where are we, and um, and what is God calling us to do? God, how is God calling us to be, uh, rather than what do I want? Um, I think, Randy, probably in your years of superintending, um, you saw a lot of, of the churches that were um, I want this and I want that were probably not the churches that were growing in your district. Um, would that be fair to say? 
Oh, yeah. I mean, when you're inward focused, when you're concerned about yourself, I had a um, board chair uh, one time in a deep conversation about the health of their church and what direction they might go in, say, well, I don't care what you do, and I don't care who you send us. I just want to die in this church. And if it's gone after that, that's fine. That's probably the worst scenario I came across. Um, But it's there. Uh, Doug talks about... um, Doug talks about um, when preachers went from the horseback to the house, what it changed in terms of the dynamics and life in the church. And what you um, mean by that is from the circuit riders. From the circuit riders. I was just going to say, why don't you explain that? I, I don't think that's something that a lot of people are, okay. are probably familiar uh, with. At least in our United Methodist tradition, uh, uh, back in John Wesley's time, there were circuit riders that rode from circuit to circuit or church to church. I lived literally in somebody's house when they were in town, uh, and they might have 10, 15, 20 churches on their circuit uh, that they preached at throughout maybe a month's time or maybe longer time, depending on how long it took them to get around there. On horseback. On horseback. Yeah. And um, so you you planned your wedding around not a June date or a July date or a Christmas date. You planned your wedding around when the when the circ, when the minister came back. Baptisms were planned in the same manner and communion too. That's kind of where we got into when I was a, a child. We did quarterly communion, mm-hmm. and that came mm-hmm. from the times when you only saw a pastor once every quarter, um, and then it got to be monthly. And so, yeah, we have a lot of holdovers from those days. But mm-hmm. go ahead, yeah. So anyway, as I've uh, as I've watched uh, and been a part of a number of hundred plus years churches celebrations and and got to hear their stories uh it's interesting that most of the churches started in somebody's kitchen mm-hmm. there was no church building per se they started in somebody's kitchen and then they invited somebody to come with them and then they had to move to the living room or to the bigger barn area uh, eventually moving then to find a building to worship in mm-hmm. um in doing that Laity had much more energy towards um, just a natural flow of the Holy Spirit of inviting somebody to come and be a part of that. Um, I'm not knocking preachers staying. I'm not knocking preachers being in houses. I'm not knocking what we're mm-hmm. doing today necessarily. It just I'm changed just saying things. That it changed, and right. some place in there. I mean, when there's when there's somebody around to do it, there's actually two two uh, issues there. Number one, the laity were willing to give up some of that because they were now paying somebody to do that. And then on the other side of that fence, ministers, in order to justify staying in one place, did a lot more work themselves. And I think at times that sort of slowed that movement, that natural movement of the Spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been in lots of places. I've worked on fire departments, been involved in the city um, in the city ordinance and council arenas in the school districts, and they always kind of expect certain things from the preacher when they're in, or they watch their language, or, yeah. <laughs> or what kind of things like that might be. Yeah. Um, when it's just a person uh, who they live with every day, who they've grown up with, uh, and they share their testimony, uh, it has sometimes more effect than when the minister does that. Now, again, the church in the last 20 years, at least from the United Methodist Church perspective, uh, we've become more intentional about moving outside of the walls. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, 
One of the uh, one of the challenges is that uh, when when uh, a church, and I'm going to say a local church or a larger denomination, is fruitful, mm-hmm. uh, you move uh, and you have to move more to some administrative kinds of things. The mm-hmm. disciples saw that with just feeding the widows. Sure. Uh, otherwise, you get sidetracked into to mm-hmm. making sure everybody's fed. Um, and so, as the United Methodist Church grew, and at least in my opinion. Uh, as it grew, we became um, more concerned about other things. I, um, it was Paul Unger who used to be the pastor here at um, at Calvary. I was in a meeting uh, with a district clergy with him one day. He started a church uh, church start uh, north of Peoria called Willow Hill, I believe. And he said uh, the difference, and they started meeting in a school. So every Sunday morning, they took their trailers with their chairs and their stuff, went to the school, set up, took it down afterwards. They then acquired some property after they had a – I think they ended up with about a pretty solid 200 people in in worship. Uh, Then they began to think about property. Then they began to think about building. And he says, it was interesting to watch the dynamics and the energy for reaching out to new people shift to planning for the building, raising funds for the building, and then taking care of the building. Mm -hmm. And he says, we lost that growth momentum that had been created when we didn't have to worry about all of those things. Now, I'm... I do not want to meet under a tree on Sunday mornings. <laughs> Let's make that clear. We're happy um, to have a building. Uh, I've experienced the outhouse days. Uh-huh. I don't have any desire to go back to that. <laughs> Thank you. So I think we just uh, part of our challenge is to work more intentionally mm-hmm. uh, in terms of what it means to be the church. And in the last 20 years, the United Methodist Church is shifting that, mm-hmm. uh, but it's a slow shift. Uh, there's lots of there's lots of traditions we have. Uh, some of those created uh, well to sustain the church. Some of those just man-made traditions right. we have that uh, we need to move away from. Um, I used to tell churches when I took a new pastor in that my expectation of that pastor was that they spent twenty to twenty-five percent of their time outside of their office, outside of the building. If that meant at the coffee shop uptown, but connecting with people beyond the church, because right. if they didn't do that. That church was not going to survive, and in the district I had, I had a lot of small churches. So, yeah, I find that um, uh, I'm I'm not spending much time at all outside of the church um, uh, at Calvary. Um, I I always struggle with that because there's always so much to do in the church, um, but um, you know it's important to model that, and um, and there is something about um, um, I I go back to the early church and and their passion for bringing people to Christ. And um, um, when there's not a church on every corner, um, it, it's, you know, it, it, it seems more, um, more of a need. And I think now we've kind of taken away that urgency. Right. Well, we started this conversation by kind of asking the question, how, how is it the same and how is it yes, different yes. Uh, than the first century yeah. culture in which the church was born? Um, and, and that's one of the major differences is that uh, we are at a point of at least numerical maturity. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I wouldn't use the word market saturation. Uh, no, not at all. But uh, we're they were the only game in town right. uh, in some sense. And so it brings it around to this issue of preference. And I just, 
I'm I'm curious, uh, you know, if Scripture has something to say about church preference, even in the context of only one church in town, which is what you have in the New Testament, right? There's really, right, there's right. really only one one church in Corinth. There's really only one church in Ephesus. There's really only one church in Jerusalem. One church in Antioch. Mm-hmm. Um, all of those things. But I think the closest uh, the closest thing we find to kind of this topic of, you know, what's your preference for church uh, might be kind of what's your preference for leaders um, in the mm, church. Uh-huh. Um, Paul's pretty right. pretty quick about that, you know, when he says, well, some say I follow yeah. Apollos, Apollos, some say I follow uh, Peter, some say I follow Paul, some say I follow Christ, you mm-hmm. know, well, good for you. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> You know, and I think Paul's really quick to go. No, this is all one thing. You're you're missing the point if you're looking at things with that kind of granularity. And I think as American consumers, we are brought up to uh, look at all almost all goods and services with that kind of granularity. Yeah. Um, and while that's you know debatable whether that's helpful or not for um, economy at both the local and global scale. I don't, want, I don't want to get into that, yeah. but um, w- whether it's good or not, uh, that's certainly a part of, I think, who we are and how we look at things. And so right. does the church have something to say about that, um, not just in our preferences for church, but in our preferences in general sure. you know, as humans? Does this extend outside of church shopping, which is a phrase that I absolutely... I know, it's terrible. I just don't... I don't like it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, not not because I don't think people should have a choice. Right. I, I think they should. Yeah. Um, but to put it on level on the same level as uh, I'm looking for a good sweater. Right. You know, like that. That's the connotation right. I think that shopping has, and it's it's just not that way. I uh, hope not. You well, know, it isn't, uh, and it, it shouldn't be. Um, and it, and if it is, it needs to be corrected yeah be just be very blunt today well right (laughs) well right i mean and and why i say i hope it's not is that um and i have to admit that i have not been in that uh in that opportunity to be to be looking for churches Uh, the bishop tells me where i will worship but but um as i look around at the ones i would worship i mean and i do that i look around and say if i weren't a pastor where would i worship um you know, I hope it's not where the most flash is, where the newest, greatest thing is, where I hope it is uh, a church that is well-rounded, um, that does focus on Christ. And we all, I mean, we all say we do. And I and I think that at its core, every church around, that's, that's the goal. Um, there is no church that would say, um, even, even the church you talked about, Randy, with the guy that said he wanted to die there, um, you know, they they want they want to do the right thing. They want to focus on Christ. But I do think that we've gotten into a huge consumerism thing. And if I don't like it here, I'll just go over here, um, rather than to try to figure out where it is that God is calling me. I don't mean to to a church, but where is God calling me in my life? You know what I mean? One of the one of the things that. Uh... Uh, when we were on vacation here a couple of weeks mm-hmm. ago, we went to two smaller churches, right. uh, one of which I grew up in, although it wasn't nearly that small when I was growing up oh, there, yeah. and one up in the, one up in the Dells. And, uh, you know, there was a little part of me ready to be a part of something exciting, refreshing, 
energizing that morning. But as I sat and listened to uh, to both preachers, as I sat and listened to the music, uh, there was a sense that these folks were community. Absolutely. There was a sense that these folks took care of each other, mm-hmm. and they took care of those folks who came in. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, because you sang well that morning, they really wanted <laughs> you to come back. Um, but there's something about that that I thought, you know, it it doesn't make any difference what church I'm in. If right. the presence of God is there, we will find a way and a means to worship. Absolutely. Uh, and because we certainly weren't entertained in either church. Oh no. Um, oh no. Uh, we were the youngest folks there. In fact, in the one up in the Dells. Um, but it felt like you know what what struck me in both of those churches is that um, it felt like I was home. Not because it was United Methodist Church, but because I was with the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. I just felt, um, you know, I felt home, um, and and that may be right. t- that may be too hard to define. Um, no, I mean, I think that's a, mm-hmm. um, I think that's probably more a result of how you view what the church is, right. rather than what that church. You know, does. externally looks like, or yeah. what their worship is, or anything. I mean, you bring that into the room, mm-hmm. and if enough people bring that into the room, then the room changes. Um, yeah, that's true. If it if it doesn't, then you still bring it into the room, and your experience is mm-hmm. you know different than someone mm-hmm. else's probably. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's more a result of kind of your proactive. Uh, I, I, this is, I think this is the right word, your proactive imagination, not mm-hmm. that it's fake, but that right. you are saying, this is what it should be, this is how I see it, and this is how it becomes, right. um, because I see it this way. Right, you know? right. Yeah. Well, and when we think about, um, you know, Randy was talking about from the circuit rider days to the appointed pastor, um, stationary pastor, one of, the thing, one of the other things that happens is that that pastor, in some way, um, has had to make people happy in order to keep his or her job. Uh, and if the church, um, even back then, didn't grow, then, you know, and so what does this person want? And do I provide mm-hmm. that so they keep coming back? And that's, man, that's that's a slippery slope. That's a, you know what I'm saying? I, I do, although I think one of the, I think one of the benefits, uh, at least of the United Methodist um, appointment system, is to take a little bit of that pressure off mm-hmm. from a from a, a positional kind right. of uh, perspective to say, you know what this uh, this person is here, uh, whether you like it or not, um, you know which which we hope everyone likes it, mm-hmm. but at the same time, I think there's a um, a sense on both sides of the table to welcome um, uh, uh, true speech, you mm-hmm. know, to say, mm-hmm. no, we're not here to really uh, make you feel good necessarily. We're not here to make you feel bad. We are here to tell the truth. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so there's a high responsibility with that. Um, but there's also a high uh, responsibility and receptivity on the side, I think, of of lay people as well to go. Uh, they're not doing this because uh, they're afraid for their job. You know, they're right. not appeasing. That's true. Yeah, they're not appeasing. Yeah. It can be that way. Although I think what you've said is uh, what a lot of clergy persons have done. Right. You know, is to is to play it as a, um, you know, an application to work here and not an right. appointment 
you know, right. to work here. Right. So, you know, I think there are pluses and minuses to that. Um, you know, as someone who was raised in a different tradition, I actually see that as a, as a benefit mm-hmm. um, to say, no, you don't have to be worried about uh, your, uh, your placement here, that you have uh, the ability to, to tell the truth. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's a hard job to do, um, but at the same time, uh, I think it's good for everybody mm-hmm. when, that, when that happens. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But you're right, I don't know that that's often the case anymore. Right, <laughs> you know? right. Well, you know, I, I, I've had really good friends in the congregational style. Congregational style uh, is, is the church where the pastor comes in, multiple pastors come in and candidate, I think is the word, right. where they preach and then they meet with different, uh, usually the search committee, mm-hmm. whereas the United Methodist Church, we have a different process for that. Um, one of the things that I appreciate in the United Methodist Church uh, is that there is some order to it. And sometimes order becomes tedious, but order becomes also a strong strength, I think, for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, there have been pastors who've gone into churches that were not necessarily as well liked, but they moved that church from comfort zone to ministry. Uh, there were right. other places where pastors were appointed who were looking for a comfort zone, and the church moved them either to an uncomfort <laughs> zone or moved them out into ministry that they had never experienced yeah. before. Yeah. And sometimes I had a, a good friend, um, good friend, we had traveled together for years singing and on the lay witness missions, and he was pastoring in a church close to where I was in Indiana. And um, one Sunday morning, he preached a message that struck too home or too close um, to the heart of somebody, and they called a meeting Sunday afternoon, and he was out Monday morning. Wow. Um, yeah. Out, had a family, um, no place to go. Um, the United Methodist Church, for all of our faults, we still have some stability for both churches. I mean, we're right. committed to providing you pastoral leadership. Now, right. you know, sometimes you say, well, we get great ones, or sometimes they're really young ones, or sometimes they're just simply. They love the Lord, but that's not their gift. What else can I say? Um, sure. But it brings some stability to the situation. Most congregational churches, I think the last statistics I read was 2.6 years was the average uh, tenure. Um, and, and then they spend a year looking for their next pastor. So right. for all of the faults in the Methodist church, I think we have some more con- consistency in my mind is the hardest thing in the Christian life. It's it's wonderful to get uh, your warm fuzzy on for a while and feel really good, but trying to live in that every day is the challenge. I think that's why God says, "Do not grow weary in doing good," uh, and that that goes for the church as well as pastors, as well as the general, the overarching church, uh, the global church in ministry as well. And I think the world is looking for something secure, mm-hmm. which yeah. is part of the angst and turmoil and anger that's out there now. Right. There is really – I need to be careful here. <laughs> <laughs> There's not a lot of security right now in this world. Uh, um, and no. that um, – I, I think folks are looking for that. Um, and whether they're finding that in a local church or not, I'm not sure. Hopefully they are, yeah, because that really is – of course, I'm, I'm, I'm just Jesus inside and outside. So that's where – for me, that's where that security lies, no matter what happens with pension systems or what happens with the world economy or all of those other things. So, mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I was just gonna say for me the the analogy that uh, floats to the top all the time in this is the difference between um, uh, the difference between food, you know, between healthy food and between uh, kind of uh, I don't know how I want to say this a sanitized version here um, mm-hmm. uh, mood altering drugs. So, mm-hmm. you know, oftentimes we look at not just our church experience, but our experience as a consumer is a pursuit for mood altering drugs that we are looking for. Uh, the next hit, you know, mm-hmm. so to speak, that uh, the next thing has to be just a little bit better than the thing before. Otherwise, we develop this tolerance for it uh, and that um, we are always looking for the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. And so we kind of produce religious addicts um, in a sense, uh, which is not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is uh, providing healthy, uh, nourishing, ongoing um uh, food for your soul mm-hmm. and for your body too, but mm-hmm. uh, that that really makes you uh, live life in the long run. I mean, it's the consistency that you're talking about, Randy, mm-hmm. um, in your spiritual diet. Uh, and we don't sit down at every meal and go, "Wow, I just <laughs> I can't believe this tartar is so you know <laughs> laced with opioids today that I feel really good." You know, <laughs> think about that for a while. Sounds delicious, doesn't it? Not really. (laughs) You know what I mean? And that is our culture, though, I think, today. And it's seeped into the church. Um, Perhaps we've contributed to it, too. I don't know. But but it's where we are. And and I think at some point we do have to kind of you know, have our 12 step religious program here, (laughs) Mm -hmm. um, with religion itself and say, this is not about, uh, us, uh, feeling, feeling this, uh, insane high, uh, every time we click a button or every time we walk in a door or do something like that, there's a consistency to life that is not boring, Mm -hmm. that is nourishing. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, uh, if, if you're bored by nourishment, you die. I mean, yeah, that's true. Yeah, that really is what happens. Yeah, you can't uh, live without it. Not to be too, yeah. too blunt about it. But yeah, yeah, you can't live without it. Yeah, yeah. and and I look at um, Sunday sermon was on on the church as uh, one who calls, I mean one who sends, and uh, you know if we ever get tired of that and we just want to sit at the banquet table with our opioids, um, <laughs> then man we're in trouble. You know we are in trouble. Um, well, life itself is a matter of ups and downs. If we're, if we're going to base our life okay. on moods, yeah. we're, okay, in trouble. we're in trouble. Um, and the same thing is in the Christian faith. I mean, there are, there are days when I can walk on water, and there are other days when I had to get the boat out. Mm-hmm. Okay, And right. yeah. the same thing happens in our Christian faith. Mm-hmm. Uh, there have been times over the years, I think about 40 years ago when I started uh, testifying, I would, I would miss – because that's what I was taught, but I would misname some things. Like if you if you trust Jesus, your life will be fine, and you won't have any more troubles. <laughs> I've not found that to be the case necessarily. Uh, no. um, <laughs> and so uh, our relationship with God really comes down to Him walking with us through this life that we have on this earth, such as it is now, uh, and uh, that faithfulness, that assurance that comes from Him never leaving us nor forsaking us, that's the part that I hang on to. Um, I mean, there's nothing more uh, there's nothing more high and holy ground to be in, and uh, there, there's, there, there's so many different 
church backgrounds in my DNA. Yeah. Uh, but to be, uh, uh, I love to be in, let's just say, in Assemblies of God, a, a charismatic uh, kind of worship. Um, but there are days when I like to be in a place where it's pretty quiet and it's still. And um, I, I just think I think there's a variety of that. Hopefully, the church, whatever church you're involved in, that gives you a variety of that. Um, I've never had the backbone <laughs> to have a church walk into their building on a Sunday morning and say, "This morning we're going to practice listening to the Lord and have an hour of silence and sit down." <laughs> yeah. Uh, I've tried that in small groups. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've led several pastors' small group ministries, and and uh, I've done that once or twice. And even, I mean, after two or three minutes, they're in a panic. You know, right. somebody's got yeah. something's got to be happening. Something's yeah. got to be somebody's going on. Somebody's got to say something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think you know, wisdom is is uh, learning how to see the value in all of those things. Mm-hmm. Learning how to appreciate. Um, all of those things. Mm-hmm. No, everything belongs. Right. You know. Right. Don't right. don't say this is unholy when God's made it holy. Every, right. Everything is. So, right. Yeah. You know, it, and it's uh, that that takes a that takes a while. Right. It does. It's not it a, does. Not a quick uh, endeavor. Yeah. For sure. But you know, whatever we're looking for, I'm just so glad to have the church. Um, the Church of the Big C. I don't care what denomination. I am just. I just praise God that I get to be a part of that, and and, and that I get to help people connect with that. So, go church. Well, yeah. <laughs> well on that note. <laughs> Our time is up uh, for today. And uh, we do thank you for listening. We'd love to keep the discussion going with you. Uh, If you have questions or comments to add to the discussion, you can do that by following the link in the Calvary app. Or if you're listening on the web, you'll find comments at the bottom of the page. Or if you're listening in the podcast app, uh, you should see a link in there somewhere as well. Uh, We'll be back uh, next week with a deeper dive into the church as light. So until then, grace and peace.